I am sure that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let's accent today. We know what he was, and we're going to read that in a minute. I don't know that we really fully appreciate what he will be, and that's the context of great I am. But I want to accent today. Christ is our healer today. So we're in Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 17, where the Bible says, And he came down with them and stood in the plain, and the company of his disciples, and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem, and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him, and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him, and healed them all. That's Jesus. So I've just introduced you to a verse. I may have you turn to it later so you can look it up and look at it. It's a short verse. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday. That's 2,000 years ago that this event happened. But it says that he's the same today. And that he'll be the same throughout eternity. There is exceptions like this here. There'll be no need for healing when we're in eternity with Christ. But there won't be need for a few things. But he'll be the same. Always be the same. I want you to know that everybody has faith. It's just what you believe. In other words, when we look at the Bible. Now, I know here because I know all of you. And I read these verses. You're going to say, oh, I believe that. I believe that. You believe that when you're well. That's not when you need it. You need these verses when you're sick. And that's when it's hard to believe. And so you wind up having faith in something. Many years ago now, here in this city, when I came, and when we first opened this church, not this particular location, but when we were up on the hill, I assumed, coming from New York City area, Yonkers, I just assumed I was going to the country, and I was going to just be like a country preacher. I was not, I truly was not prepared for the success that we were having. And people were coming from everywhere and the churches were filling up. We had to add extra services and so on. But I had my own views and I received a phone call one day if I would come down and pray for a man who was dying. Now, he did not attend our church. I did not know this man. I knew the nurse who called me up. She said, would you come down and pray for him? And I said, yeah, fine. Okay, I'll come down. When I came into the room, his wife was sitting over in the corner, just sobbing. And the nurse told me what the condition was. He was dying. They were going to move him from our local hospital here down to the medical center, where basically they would just let him live out a few more days or hours. didn't have long to live. So there I was. His wife is over in the corner sobbing because her husband is dying. And he had the death rattle. I don't know how many of you have ever actually heard the death rattle. It's like a gurgling sound. You could hear. You could hear it. I want to just repeat this. You don't need Jesus the healer when you're well. Who claims healing when they're already healed? Let me tell you something else, too, before I finish this little story. You're going to start building up your faith. Start with a common cold or a headache. Because by the time you hear that word cancer, or like I heard the word heart disease, you're going to have a harder time doing 100 push-ups because you haven't done any push-ups than just starting every day doing one and then a couple of days do two and then three. You build your faith up. And I'll say it again. When that doctor says, well, we think you have a cancer here and a tumor, and my case was a heart disease, and on and on and on, and you haven't built up your faith, you will be overwhelmed with fear. You will be, and that's not going to help you. So you're going to have faith in something. So 
Here's this man, and he's lying in the bed. Death rattles in his throat. I don't recall his name, but I said, I'm Pastor Barnett. And I said, we believe that Jesus is the healer today. Now, this is going back 25 plus years ago. He's the healer today. And I said, I'm going to lay my hands on you. We're going to expect God to touch you and heal you. I don't recall if I had oil to anoint. I don't remember, but I did lay my hands on him in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, you survived that night and the next. Then they decided not to release him to the medical center, just keep him here because he began to improve. And the last I heard, which was several years ago, now I do remember his name, but I just won't mention it. I just remembered his name. He was still alive. Decades later. Now, let me say this one more time. That's all well and good when you're all well and good. When you're sick, that's when you're up against it. And that's when you need faith. And that's when believing this verse today is important down the road. Everybody here has got something wrong. <laughs> Something's not right in your body. Everybody does. Everybody has some issue. You know, some weakness in the nervous system or it's the stomach or it's whatever. It's the heart. There's some weakness in everybody. But you need to build up your faith now, today. Because Jesus Christ is the same today. It's not that Jesus did heal. It's not that Jesus can heal. It's that Jesus will heal. And I, as you know, my testimony, I'm not going to share that today. I was lost. I was really lost. I had a doctor tell me that there's no hope for you. Nothing we can do for you. I didn't know Christ. I didn't know the Bible. I didn't know anything. Except one thing. I'm not accepting that. I was a young, young man. Tell me there's nothing we can do for you anymore. But it inspired me. At first I was angry. Then I said, God, if you exist, remember I'm not saved, I'm not born again. God, if you exist, you can heal me. Well, in case you haven't noticed, I'm standing here today healed. Why? Because I refuse to have faith in a man. Remember, I was saved in my bedroom, not from a radio broadcast. I didn't have any of that. All I had was this thought, God, if you're real, you can heal me and touch me. And he did. That song, he touched me. He touched me. And oh, the joy that fills my soul. Something happened. And now I know he touched me and made me whole. I didn't need, well, I don't know that I would ever have sought for Jesus, even though he was seeking for me. Um, Had I not been in a desperate situation. But I want to say this again. You don't need God when you're well. Where's God when you don't need him? Think about that. They're not here. They're not sitting in church. They're not calling my phone. They're not sending me emails. They're not sending me text messages because at the moment, everything is good. Everything is good. That's what they think. Everything is good. But let me tell you from experience of almost a half a century now, but when it breaks bad, I mean like deathbed bad, they don't want a lawyer. They don't want the police. They don't even want the physicians. Where's the preacher? And especially if they know that you know God. I mean, you really know God. I mean, you've got testimonies in your pocket, so to speak. You could bring them out. You could bring the people out. There's people right here in this town, in this city. I could have them show up if they would and share what has happened. Share what has happened in their life. I didn't get it from a television set. I got it because Christ touched me in my room. Which just, by the way, it just goes to show you, there's no boundaries with God. He didn't say, now take step number one, two, three, and four and go see. He didn't. He touched me, and he made me whole. And so we need Jesus the healer, and I want to tell you why. I recently told someone, with God being understood, that he has to always be first and foremost. The second most important thing is your job. 
because my reasoning is that if you don't have a job, then you can't properly take care of your family because you don't have the income and the money and you have a lot of problems. But then I amended it and I changed it. God is always first. It's going to be understood that God is first. The second most important thing in life is your health. If I was laid up somewhere today, I wouldn't be here. If you were laid up somewhere today without faith in Christ, you wouldn't be here. Without health, then you can't have a job. You know, the marriage and the family and the church community and on and on and on doesn't function well because you're not well. And then that brought me to this conclusion. No wonder when we start in Matthew, go to Mark, and then we go to Luke, and then even in the book of Acts, some of these verses we'll see today, we see so much emphasis on healing people physically and mentally. Because without that, you can't do anything. Or you're curtailed, you can't do much. Health. Still got this keto diet in my mind. Skip the keto diet and go straight to Jesus. Preach Jesus. That's my job when I'm here. Preaching Jesus. The healer, yesterday? Yeah, that's yesterday. These people are all gone. They're all dead. And we're alive. And you need, many of you need Jesus the healer today. And you may need him in the future as well. But I would say to you, if you build up your faith now, you may need less of a healing or a healer in the future. Get strong now. Build your faith up now. And so we read here. They came, look at verse 17. They came to hear him. The ministry of Jesus recorded in the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, is the gospel, singular, gospel, is based on three things that Jesus went about preaching. That's what I'm doing today. Teaching. That's what I do on Wednesdays. And healing. And that's what we're going to do today. Lay hands on the sick. And Jesus' book says in Mark 16, and they shall recover. And they shall recover. means they will recover. We need to understand that Jesus' ministry, first and foremost, is all about bringing us to heaven. And we emphasize that, rightly so, I believe, rightly so, that Jesus is the only way to get to see the one true God. So we won't accent that today, because that's accented quite a lot, and rightly so. Rightly so. I mean, you can go to heaven and be sick when you die. That's okay. But you never were able to do much in life because you were sick. And sick not only in body, but sick in mind. We got a lot of that today. So we know that Christ came to heal us in our spirit. Let's read something simple. Gospel according to John chapter 3. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now this goes to what I was saying just a little while ago. Everybody has faith. Some who read this verse say, I'm not going to perish. I don't care what the verse says. And they have faith in that. That's faith. Now the Bible calls it unbelief. But it's only unbelief in comparison to rejecting what God has said in his word, what Jesus said. But it's faith. I'll go back to my story. If I had faith in what the doctor says, I wouldn't be here today. You'd be visiting me. If I was even alive, you'd be visiting me someplace. I had very adamant unbelief. I refused that diagnosis. Now, I don't mean to speak against the medical community, and I don't mean to tell you, you know, go and challenge your doctors. But I am saying this. Man is limited in his understanding and his knowledge. And God is not. Trust Christ. Trust God. People who say, well, I don't need Jesus, I'm a good person. I don't need Jesus and all this. That's faith against the word of God. Apistus, apistus. It's a faith that's in this direction, which is unbelief of this direction. 
When Jesus talks so much about having faith in me, you have faith in God, he says, have faith in me also. And we go from there. So we first look at the fact that Jesus came to bring us to heaven, and again, that's the most important fact. But I'm saying to you that if you're not healthy in mind, if you're not healthy in body, you're not going to accomplish much in life. You say, well, there I got you, Pastor, because I really don't want to accomplish much in life. Well, I got something for you. God created you for a purpose, and if I was you, I would seriously consider what that purpose is and fulfill it. That's truth. So I don't like that. There's a lot of churches that won't talk to you like that, but I will. I will. You say, ah, well, you know, uh, you got a purpose. Are you fulfilling your purpose? Think about that. That's another subject. So you need your health to do that. You got to be healthy. You don't have to be a world-class bodybuilder, but you got to have your health. Jesus came to save you. Are you saved? How about your mind? Are you aware of how much stuff is going into your mind all the time? If you're a reader like me, I always read, who's the guy I'm about to read before I read him? I want to know his background. Where was he educated? What's he about? Sometimes I just read the jacket and I've already dismissed the guy. I said, guy, it could be a woman. Then when I'm reading, I always read, I always watch television actively. It means I'm not passive. I'm trying to figure out what images are being put into my mind. Songs, music, you know. Um, we listen to songs I listened to 30, 40 years ago to listen to the lyrics to find out what was put in my mind 40, 50 years ago. And I'm coming up with a lot of surprises like, wow, I didn't know they really said that. I was always paying attention to the musicality. I didn't listen much to the lyrics because let's face it, most lyrics in the songs that we grew up on, that I grew up on, didn't make much sense anyway. But when you listen to them, sometimes it's putting a thought into your head or those that influenced you and on and on and on. And it's all buried in our psyche, in our mind, the shuke, the soul. And so Christ comes to heal not just the spirit and to make us one with him, but to heal the mind, to give us a healthy mind, a healthy way of thinking. And then, of course, the healing of the body. Let's look at some scriptures. Go to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 20. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. Now that's faith in Jesus. That's faith in God. Let me just say this too. It's just a bit of commentary. I've had enough theology in 45 years, read enough to read of people who say healing is not for today. And here's the reasons why. I think that many of them are very good men and whatever, but they're wrong, period. Jesus is the healer. I'm so grateful I didn't run into some theologian that says, sorry, son, healing is past. So I was stuck with my disease and stuck with my sickness. And I'm glad with my personality, I'm glad that Jesus himself saved me. I've seen so much and I've heard so much that the only thing that does keep me is this book and the reality that Jesus is alive and he is the same not changed. He didn't become whatever. He said, well, I joined the Methodist church. So Jesus didn't join any church. Jesus is the head of the church. He's not an American. I guess you didn't know that. Jesus is not an American. He's the founder of the world. The worlds were created by him. There's a lot of things Jesus is not. So get it straight. Follow Jesus. He's God come in the flesh. And here's this woman. And this is what we want to be. She's not saying, I need an interview, Jesus. You know, I need to meet with you. I got time from one till two. I got a lunch break. I got to talk to you about this issue of blood. Jesus is walking in a crowd. And this woman says inside of herself, she don't even tell anybody else. 
But she thinks to herself, if I could just touch his robe, I will be made whole after 12 years. And that's a long time of suffering. Let me say something to you. You've had your sickness for 12 years, 24 years, and you say, well, it's hopeless. It's not hopeless. Not with God, it's not. So don't settle for it. Because God is the worker of miracles. We deal with the natural. And what we understand about the natural, God is super nature. He's above nature. He changes things. He parts the Red Sea. He does things that man cannot do. With God, Jesus said, nothing is impossible. Now I'll just challenge you. So what do you want to do? Keep talking about your condition? I already, most of you here, I mean not everybody, but most of you, I already know your condition. So we don't have to talk about it again. I know your condition. Let's talk about getting rid of that condition. Let's talk about trusting in Christ the healer. The saying within ourselves, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be made whole. He doesn't even have to turn around and speak to me. He doesn't even have to go around and say anything. You remember the case of Elisha when the servant came to him and Elisha didn't even leave the house. He said, just tell him to go dunk himself seven times in the Jordan River. So he was mad. I thought he would say, I'll paraphrase it. I thought he'd say something religious. Here's the word of the Lord, the set the Lord. He didn't even leave his house. He didn't even move out of the chair. He said, tell him to go dip himself in the river seven times. Go dunk yourself in the river seven times. Then he went on this whole rant. So the servant had the wisdom. He said, well, if he told you to do something simple, wouldn't you do it? And he said, yeah, okay. He said, well, go dunk yourself. He was a leper. Go dunk yourself in the river. One, two, three, four. No change. I give up. That's it. It's not real. It doesn't work. He said seven times. Seven is the number of perfection. God's number. It means you don't give up until you got your answer. It means you hold on. One, two, three, oh, it don't work. Well, I don't know what to tell you. Don't expect much. One, two, three, five, it didn't work. He said seven times. Jesus talked about prayer. He says, therefore, men ought always to pray and not to cease praying. You just don't stop. You keep going back like the elders used to do in some of these churches that we have. And they would say to God in a respectful tone, we will not be denied. And they kept praying until the answer came. See, some of us give up too early on the second dunk, the third dunk. He says, I'm out of here. You're out of there with your leprosy. That's the way you come in. Don't you want to leave differently? But on the seventh time, he came up as clean as a baby. And then he was very grateful. And it always forgiven that Elijah never even got up out of the chair. Jesus said to the centurion, the centurion said, you know, my servant's at home sick. He needs to be healed. Jesus said, I will come. The centurion said, no, you don't have to come. Just speak the word, and my servant shall be healed. What was Jesus' response? He said, I've not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. Let me change this so you understand. I've not found that kind of faith in the people who follow me in the church. With Bibles open and fingers going through verses. It's easy to believe God when you're well. It's not easy to believe God when you're sick. Do you understand that? It's easy to sing songs of God will make a way when there seems to be no way, when everything's going good. But it's not easy to sing that with conviction, believing it when things aren't going so good and every door is just closed on you. To be able to say, I don't care if every door is closed on me. God will make a way where there seems to be no way and believe it. Then someone says, well, how is he going to do it? Well, that I don't know. That's the question asked me. Well, how is it going to happen? If I knew how it was going to happen, I wouldn't probably have to pray. I don't know. I just know that God will come through. I know that God will. So this lady touches him, and all of a sudden, the bleeding dries up. And Jesus stops, and he says, who touched me? Yes. Now she's afraid. I don't know why she was afraid, but now she's afraid. 
Very meekly, she says, well, I touched you. Remember, in this case here, when she was touching him, everybody's pressing and touching him. Let me give you the application here. It's like the church. We're all singing, da-da-da. We're all singing, ba-ba-ba. Yeah, but who's being healed? But when she was in that crowd, she said, if I can touch him, everybody was touching him. I'll be made whole. And she was. And Jesus said, whoa, I perceive that virtue went out of me. Who touched me? The apostle said, Lord, everybody's touching you. Now he said, no, somebody touched me. Now they're getting a little nervous because Jesus had a way of making the apostles nervous. He has a way of making you nervous. He has a way of making me nervous. It seems a lot. He's late, but I'm not going to correct God. And the woman's her issues dried up. Twelve years she suffered from it. And I'm thinking that she wasn't proud of telling everybody, well, I've been sick 12 years. How long have you been sick? That's why I like talking to young people. I really do. You talk to older people, say, hey, pastor, how's your cholesterol? That's good. Um, Oh, mine was up. Really? Okay. Yeah, and the blood pressure and the sugar. It's like, give me a young person. (laughs) Old people talk like that. Well, I hope I don't wind up in a nursing home. But why don't you try some exercise? I can't ex- you know, forget about it. Just let me talk to a young person, an intelligent young person, because they think different. They have a different view of the future. And that's what it's all about. It's about faith. David said, oh, Lord, don't forsake me when I'm old. And God, in a sense, is saying, I won't forsake you. You know that one of my favorite characters is kind of a little known, but Caleb, he's 80 years old. He's been collecting Social Security for 25 years. And Medicaid, we expect him to walk like this. He walks up to Moses and says, I want that mountain. I'm as strong now as when we left Egypt, and that was over 40 years. I want the mountain. Moses said, go take it. And he did. 80 years old. I like this. Now, you know I wear glasses. Moses, it says that even his physical force was not abated, including his eyes. Well, I wear glasses so I can see, but it challenges me. I mean, Caleb challenges me. Doesn't he challenge you? Yeah, you're old, a lot of you. Not all of you, but some of you are pretty old. And you bought into the AARP. Uh, When you're old, just take it easy. And then people without Christ are swimming in triathlons and doing the sports and breaking world records. And they don't even have Jesus. And we're always breaking, Jesus, yeah. Well, where's the power? Where's the power? Well, the power is here and the power is in Jesus. It's for us to have that power and take it forward in confidence. And then don't be saying to God, now, if you don't get here by noon, I'm out of the Jordan River. This isn't working. Touch the hem of his garment and say within yourself, if I can touch him in the closet of prayer, I shall be made whole. And then you can go from there where the Bible promises in 1 John. He says, and we know we have the things that we have asked of him because we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. We know we have answers. To, we know that we have answers to prayer. These are the things that challenge me when I'm reading the Bible because I realize after all these years, I'm still not what I want to be. I'm grateful I'm not what I used to be. But I'm still not what I want to be. And I'm not leaving this planet crying and whining how tough life has been. I'm going to go with what little hair I have with it on fire, (laughs) preaching the gospel. Not sitting back and getting sucker punched by Satan and his cohorts who do act through people. Not happening. I'm getting off the defense, getting on the offense. Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. How about you? Want to join me? I'm going to jump off a cliff. Well, I don't know about that. Because you heard about the story about the man that jumped off a cliff, didn't you? Well, he fell off. He didn't jump off. He fell off. And on his way down, there was this branch. Oh, wow. 
down below, man, it wasn't good. It was hundreds of feet down, rocky, craggy, not good. And he can't get back up, and he's hanging onto this branch. And he starts crying for help. Help, help. And a voice comes from up above. He says, I'll help you. He just let go of the branch. So who is this? He says, I am God. Let go of the branch. He looks down. He looks up. He says, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> and we do that too, right? God says, his word says one thing. The man said something else. Then the guy on the TV. Forget about it. Let me just go one little short little rant on this thing here. Every other commercial is selling us some drug. Because you may have this, and you may have that. And they say, oh, yeah. That pain in your side could be the sign of, yeah, it could be nothing but a trigger point. It could be nothing but a little knot in your whatever. I get mad. I really get mad. You know, I'm trying to just watch a ball game to see my team break records and stuff, and every other commercial is, and don't forget, this could be harmful. Yeah, I know, I know. Just move on. I want to watch baseball. You know what I mean? They're trying to influence the mind. I'm listening and watching actively. And then I think about what Jesus said. So here's a woman who just wants to come up and touch the hem of his garment. And she says, if I can, I shall be made whole. This is my private prayer before God. I said, God, we need testimonies. We need people who were sick, then can go to the doctor, as Jesus often told them, go to the priest, have them check you out. They were the physicians of the time. And to say that something's changed. We had a woman one time come in during the day. It wasn't a service time. She was in so much pain from two herniated discs that she had. She said, she came to the church. I had a couple of people on staff then, a couple of pastors. And she reminded us what the Bible says. Bible says if you're sick, call for the elders. She was in a lot of pain. Young woman at the time. Call for the elders of the church and anoint with oil. And so we were in the hallway. And I said, fine, that's great. We'll get the oil. We will anoint you. She said, but your job is to believe. I will believe. She said, then we're good anointed her with oil, prayed for her, and the pain did not go automatically. So that's what we want. And that's actually what Matthew always says, immediately. But it didn't. But in the course of the next couple of weeks or so, boop, it disappeared. She went back to the surgeon, right? This is the lower spine we're talking about here. Lumbar region. The corticoina is where all the nerves come out of your spine. The corticoina in Latin it means the horse's tail. That's where the sciatic nerve is, and you get this pain, terrible pain. Couldn't bend over. Goes and gets another MRI, and the surgeon says, flips up the old x-ray, you see the degeneration and all that, flips up this x-ray, MRI, and he says this, he says, I can't explain what has happened, but the only thing I can tell you is that the woman in this x-ray and the woman in this x-ray is not the same person. Now, he knew it was. We had a woman with a foot issue years ago, same thing. Took an x-ray, there's the deformity, whatever. We prayed for her, we laid hands on her, we prayed for her. She went back to the doctor, because pain was stopping. Went back to the doctor, took an x-ray, foot changed. Because Jesus is the healer today. He's still the healer. He's still the healer. He's still God. And so we look at this here in our text of Luke 6, 19. It says, the whole multitude sought to touch him. I've told you about prayer several times in the last few weeks. If professing Christians really believed that God was going to answer their prayer in the affirmative, according to his word, prayer meetings would be packed. But it's my belief that the reason prayer meetings are not packed, or for that matter, when the word of God is really being preached, is because people actually don't believe it. They don't believe it, it's just a prayer. We all come from religious backgrounds where people just mutter things, da, 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 da. There was no real belief. But if you come behind Jesus and say, I will be made whole, or like the woman whose daughter was demon-possessed, 
who Jesus tested, and he'll test you too. Yeah, that's when it gets rough. And she says, well, my daughter, she's demon-possessed. And Jesus said, hey, I've been sent to the Jews. You're a Gentile. He starts to walk away. It was all a test. She said, whoa, wait a second. Even the dogs get the crumbs under the master's table. I want my daughter healed. And what did he say once again? Woman, great is thy faith. Your daughter is healed. He didn't move. She went back. The daughter was normal. Back in her right mind, whatever the case may be, that her behavior was healed. Why? Because he is the healer. He is the healer of the body, of the mind, as well as we know of the spirit. And it is my opinion, once again, that what the world needs now to see in the church is actual real power. Not theory. This, when Jesus came, it wasn't theory. He was the healer. Further, as you know, he went beyond healing. He took dead people and raised them back up again. Why? Because he's the creator. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And that was not anything made that was made. And on and on and on. He is the healer. The question is this that I'd like to ask you today. Is he your healer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're feeling good. What are you going to do when you don't feel good? I'm not feeling good frequently. I get as angry as I do with these commercials. I hate to be sick. I really do. I fight it. I fight it in faith. And I just say, hey, Jesus, you're the healer. Sister, you prayed for me and you promised you'd pray for me with this bronchitis. I used to get it every single year. She said, I'm going to pray for you. I said, good, if you and I join her in faith. And I have not had it now for the last, I don't know, four years, five years or so. Well, something must have slipped up here for me. But hey, you know what? Here's another thing, too. We don't stand alone. I need your support as much as you need me. We need each other. We need to pray for each other. Our faith is not always, you know, when we're by ourselves so strong, but if you have that encouragement, let's go after this. Let's get this thing and let's get deliverance here. I believe that the world needs to hear more from the church than just posturing, you know, talks. And some of them don't even preach the Bible, as you know. God baptized us with the Holy Spirit. And listen to me carefully. I've been in the Pentecostal church for almost a half a century. And some of the stupidest, goofiest stuff goes on. Some of it's demonic possession. And they say, ooh, we had the Holy Spirit. That lady was nuts. Completely nuts. And you thought it was the Holy Spirit? I see this. I see a guy on Instagram. I blocked him. God's secret language is dreams. Now, I've been a dreamer since I was a little boy. So I said, what's this guy? And he was like almost frothing at the mouth. I prophesy dreams, dreams, dreams. I said, dream about this. Boop, you're blocked. I've had enough of your nonsense. These people aren't hearing from God. Dreams, get out of here. I don't know where he is now, but he's not on my social media. Get out of here. I got the book. You know, some people are just out of their minds. Then they come in the name of Jesus. And people accept it because people are desperate. Accept the real Jesus. How do you get to know the real Jesus? You read his book. And the whole multitude sought to touch him. There wasn't a person in the crowd that didn't come forward that day to be touched by Jesus. They all came forward. And it says here, he healed them all. The whole multitude sought to touch him. For there went virtue out of him and he healed them all. Jesus the healer. They say repetition is really the art of teaching. You have men like Vince Lombardi and there's others in other sports that just kept accenting fundamentals. I've tried to teach people in several areas, but they're not listening. First thing that goes off is the switch in my head. I'm done. I'm not wasting breath. I'm not wasting energy and time talking to someone who's not listening. 
Now they're on their own. Problem is that they think they got something when they don't. That anybody that really knows this area, that area, a few areas that I work in, knows that they don't have anything. But they think they do. Sometimes we approach the Bible that way. We think we know what it's going to say, but we're taught to approach it with humility. You know, when I'm reading the Bible, I'm always challenged. And I read it every day, as you would expect a pastor to read it every day and study it, study my texts and stuff. And I'm always challenged. Don't you think by now I should have reached the epitome of smartness? Like, ding, that's it. You don't even have to read it anymore. And it keeps expanding and it keeps exposing my lack of knowledge or weaknesses or whatever. And I say, well, this is good. This is good. Because I want to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. The church has got to rise up in power, not just theory, or as the saying used to go, is a shout without clout. Anybody could talk tough. Let's find out who actually is tough. And you know where you find that out? When the king says, look, bow down and I won't put you in the furnace. And they say, you know what, king? We don't care much about your furnace. We're not bowing down to your statue. We're not paying homage to you. The Lord is the king. The king says, you know what? Make it seven times hotter. It was so hot that the guards that were bringing up, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they got burned just approaching the fire and pushed them in. The fire is burning, and these men are okay. And they tell the king that we put him in the hottest fire that we can make it, and they're walking around in there. What? He went down there, and he says, I don't see three men in the fire. I see four. Amen. And one has the appearance of the Son of God. Amen. <laughs> We're not walking along. Look at Daniel. Well, it's the same period of time, but look at Daniel. Daniel opened the window and prayed toward Jerusalem three times a day, just as it was his practice. And he's a high official in that kingdom at the time, Babylon. So the people who set him up, and that's what they did, they had to tell the king, and said, you put your ring on it. You put your imprimatur on it. You got to put him in the lion's den. Well, they put Daniel in the lion's den. Hungry, hungry lions. The king did not like it because he liked Daniel, but he already put his signet on. He couldn't break his word, so he puts Daniel in the lion's den and just leave it overnight. And he can't sleep that night. His conscience is bothering me. Just like Pontius Pilate and Herod and others. When God really gets a hold of a person, when God really gets a hold of an area and he visits it, that rain falls everywhere. He goes down in the morning and he says, Oh, Daniel, is your God able to protect you? Was he able to deliver you? And Daniel says, Long live the king. The lions are over there sleeping. Just to show you the lions were not drugged. They pull Daniel out and they throw in the guys that put him there. They're all gone. When God parted the Red Sea, the Israelites went over there on dry shod. As soon as the Egyptians tried the waters just covered them up. You know what? That's the God that I believe in. That's the God that I believe in. I want to remind you that God is not an American. He's not wringing his hands over the future of our country. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be praying for the future of our country. No, we need to. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that God is sitting in his heavens executing his plan. And we need to be healthy in order to be part of that plan. And you need to fulfill your purpose for which God has called you. Yes. What if you joined the army? Some of you have been in the military. Right? You joined the army, you joined the Air Force, joined the Marine Corps. And you find out that you're the only soldier. And you've got battles all over the place. And we're sending you here, here, here. I mean, would you stay? Would you say, I'm alone? How many churches where the pastor has got literally 40 or 50 responsibilities? Everybody kind of sitting around just doing nothing. 
and expecting the pastor to be all over the place. That's why pastors are quitting in large, large numbers. They can't handle it. But the, here's the good news. They weren't supposed to. A pastor is called to be a preacher and a teacher and a man of prayer, first and foremost. And everything else goes to the side because God has a plan. And his plan is to raise up the church for the work of the ministry, wherever you're called, wherever you're called. But what I'm trying to say is that you can't do any of that if you're not healthy. Can God heal heart disease? Amen. And I hear your loud voice back there, sister. We got to open you up. We got to open you up. She said, I don't want to be opened up. Go down and see another set of doctors. They said, I don't know why they're telling you that because we go right through the femoral artery and fix the whole thing. Boom. Amen. Today you'd be still recovering from a zipper like I got. That was Jesus. Yeah, it was Jesus. Dr. Jesus. He makes changes. I mean, real changes, not fictitious changes, not just, oh, that's a good story. He makes real changes. That's what you want. And I can prove this of the things that medical science has been discovering over many years now, over 200 years, of the correlation. And that's not even giving God the credit. That's not even giving God the credit. Honestly, think to yourself today. As you age, some of you are very young in this room. Some of you are not so young. Whoever's watching, whatever age you are. You really want to end your life as a weakling? You want to go out tottering? You know, I'm not saying if you, I know some people use a cane. I'm not making fun of you. I'm just saying, is that what you pictured when you were 19? Or do we have a God that's able to put strength into your body and strength into your mind? Of course, he's already touched us in the spirit. And be able to sing, he touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened. And now I know he touched me and made me whole. Christ is our healer. Christ is our healer. And I'll just say this. When I did my actual first dissertation for a PhD, which is in Bible, I did it on the Bible of mental health. And I quoted a lot, I wouldn't say exclusively, secular sources that were saying the same thing that's been lying in this Bible for thousands of years. My idea was that they were giving, as I tell you so many times, they were giving an unintentional witness to what this Bible says. It's right there. Sometimes you're reading it, you're going right past it. And it's right there. The strength of the Lord and the help of the Lord and the healing of the Lord. It's right there. But let me ask you this. And I want to take you to prayer. What is it you really believe? And the emphasis on really. I told you that what I do is I think of myself, what I say I believe. And then I watch my behavior, what I'm actually thinking at the moment. And I challenge myself to say, what is it I really believe? I don't challenge just you. I challenge myself. What do I really believe? And sometimes I find discrepancies between what I say I believe and what I actually believe. And that's what I'm settling in my life is to reconcile those discrepancies. What do I really believe? That's my question for you today. I know what you'll say. Many of us have been together a long time. I know what you're going to say. But ask yourself, what do I really believe? You believe God is going to touch you, heal you? Is God able to relieve your grief? Is God able to lift off the depression off your mind? Is God able to, and that was one of my favorite verses, is God able to relieve you of all your fears? Well, you know, we all got a little fear. We do. In Psalm 34, 4, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. And let me say this to you again. That's easy to quote when you got the radio going in your car and it's a sunny day. You got your muscle car and your 
arm hanging out the window and everything. Wow, this guy's cool, you know. But when you just got some really bad news, you're facing some really bad situations, that's when faith gets tough. You see, we just think we're going to just shoot at the devil. Or you're going to fight the devil. And he's not going to hit back. And then all of a sudden, if you're a novice, he's hitting back. And he's not supposed to. It's against the rules. And he's bringing four, five, six, seven other people too. Well, he's a liar and he fights dirty. The question is, are you going to stand up to him? You're going to stand up to this sickness you're up against, this stress you're up against, this whatever it is that you're up against? You're going to stand up to it? You're going to overcome it? Are you going to say that Christ is my healer? And he's the healer today. Today is October the 2nd in the year 2022. My son is 30 years old today. Happy birthday. birthday. This is the day the Lord has made. And you say, I will rejoice. So, Father, we close the service affirming your healing power. And I'm waiting testimonies to come in the form of an email or text or whatever from this service alone. You've touched someone and changed their condition, healing them. Now, Father, as the harvest fields are white, you told us to compel them to come in. Go into the highways, into the byways, and everywhere. Compel them to come in. Give us the wisdom. Give us the power. Let us be genuine. Let us be loving. Let us not be condescending. But at the same time, not mitigating the truth. Jesus is the way. Father, today we give you all the praise, all the glory all the honor. Remind us during the week to love you with all the heart, all the soul, all the mind, and all the strength. And remind us, especially remind us, to love one another. We give you all the praise and all the glory today, Father God. In Jesus' mighty name. Can you say amen? Amen.